Welcome to Hashtag Love Yourself. I'm your host, Jesse Jobson, and I'm going to guide you on your personal journey towards self-love. Hi, my beautiful souls. Welcome back to Hashtag Love Yourself. Today's episode is on codependency. So what is codependency? Well, codependency is actually a dependent personality disorder. Um, And what that means is that it's someone who, to connect with others, they have to ignore themselves. It's like they have to put other people at a higher priority than themselves. They have to um, forget themselves to feel like good enough, to feel like they're a good person. Um, It's someone who um, will put all their well-being and their needs to the side for everyone else in their life. Um, And it's actually kind of an addiction um, coming from someone who was codependent most of my life. um, I know that it actually really does feel like an addiction. Um, Even to this day, I am after learning all this information and studying how to be a healthy person and love myself, I am coming to the realization that um, the behaviors that go along with being codependent um, sometimes feel like really strong urges and um, things that I have to like really be consciously aware of um, and do a lot of um, behaviors to stop. Like I have to like... um, put a lot of rules in place in my life to make sure that I am not falling back into codependency because codependency um, really does uh, take a strong hold on um, that part of you that says um, I am enough, right? The part of you that says um, that I'm a good person with quotation marks around the good because what does really good mean, right? Um, so someone who someone who is codependent is going to show up by um, caring more about others than they do themselves. Um, a person who is a people pleaser, who um, says yes when they mean no. Um, things that we've talked about in, in many different um, podcasts is just kind of a repeating theme, right? Like all these things, these codependency or like wounded energy or all those things, they're all really kind of meshing together and going hand in hand. Um, And so um, another thing that shows up for codependent people is they worry about what others think of themselves. They end up being um, the rescuers for everyone else. Um, They um, constantly are just attracting those types of people in their life that are energy vampires that want to take um, all their energy, that want them to be codependent. So a lot of the times codependent people will attract narcissists or people that are toxic or people that lead into toxic tendencies. And the reason why that they attract those types of people is because of that attitude that says, I am willing to put you first and my needs last and um, I will do, have a smile while doing it, right? So someone who doesn't care about other people, right, or just wants to take advantage of other people, 
they are happy to have a codependent person around because that codependent person does everything for them, lifts them up, makes them feel all nice and rosy and good. But when it comes around time to do anything for the codependent person, they don't have to because the codependent person isn't strong enough um, mentally and emotionally to actually um, require or request and have boundaries in their lives to say, I need this specific type of you know love or affection or nurturing or whatever it may be back um this is just a one-way road and i'll just keep flushing out all my energy and all my love and all my support and all of my um whatever they have to give right money it doesn't matter what it is but they'll just keep flushing it out to the other person and that vamp that energy vampire or that narcissist or that abusive person essentially is what they are um and i know a lot of people um, they're really, they raise their eyebrows when I say abuse, right? Um, and they act like it's such a dramatic word, but I'm going to tell you this, that there is so much abuse going on around and there's so much abuse on like the regular basis that I see now that I'm like learning what abuse is and what codependency is and what narcissism, narcissism or yeah, narcissists are and um, how they behave and how what toxic behaviors are, I am recognizing that it's more common. All those, the, the abuse, the toxic, all that stuff is really more common than we think. So we're walking around thinking like, you know, your grandma who, you know, your grandma who is, um, you know, never wrong and always putting people down. She is just a normal grandma, but no, really there's something very unhealthy with, um, uh, those types of behaviors. Right. And that's what these, this podcast and the show is all about is being our best and our healthiest self. So we can like actually look at the people in our lives, look at the relationships, look at the connections we have and not maybe wag our finger and blame each other. Right. And be like, Oh, she's wrong. Or she's a narcissist or she's toxic. Um, but I do think that the first part of um, healing ourselves is to recognize what is unhealthy. Um, and the only way to do that is to be aware of what is healthy and what is not. So me mentally take note. You don't have to run around and wag your finger in everybody's face about who's wrong and who's right, right? But we can, for ourselves, educate ourselves with this information that you're learning now and say that person and that person and that relationship and that relationship are all unhealthy and I need to correct myself so that I can, you know, play a healthy part in relationships and um, inspire health from other people, right? Because we can't change everyone, but we could just inspire and we could put up healthy boundaries and that will eliminate the unhealth from our lives. Um, so yeah. Okay, so, so essentially... To the, the bottom line of a codependent person is that they have a problem with honoring the self really in the end like that's the baseline of what the codependency is um so how does that really sh like how does that happen like how does someone c become codependent because i think that this information um isn't actually that it isn't common knowledge right to know what codependency is i honestly before i started doing a lot of this research i thought codependency was I'm dependent on your emotions. So that is a form of codependency, right? But but that's not it. That's not the end all of what codependency is, as we will discover here, right? Um, and so how does someone become codependent? Um, 
on being, you know, feeling like they have to like put everybody else before them and not take care of themselves. How does that really occur? Well, there's several ways that it can occur, but most typically it's going to occur within um, childhood trauma. And this is another thing where people hear the word trauma and it sounds like a really dramatic word, but I'd say 99.9% .9 of the world has childhood trauma. Um, it's very, very rare to find someone who doesn't have childhood trauma. And it's not because we were running around with like these horrible parents. There is so many good hearted, you know, kind, loving people in this world that are, their intention is to be good parents, right? But if 90% of the world is walking around wounded, then of course, we're all going to have trauma, right? And you don't have to just get trauma from your childhood. There is such thing as adulthood, adulthood trauma. So I've actually um, seen cases and read about cases where um, someone had actually really healthy, happy home, and then um, they went out into the world and there were, um, you know, cause like wounded energy is like, I talked about in the previous videos, it's like um, a virus, right? Um, or a plague that like, it just takes one person to affect another person. Um, and you can, you can have trauma happen in your adult years. Um, it doesn't have to happen in your childhood years, but um, mainly this is gonna come from childhood trauma. So um, things like, um, it's gonna be instability in your childhood or a traumatic event, right? So, you know, things like divorces, um, things like, you know, having the gap of one parent, like, so if you only had a mom growing up or only had a dad, a death of a parent very young, um, that, that happens, um, or a parent walking out. Um, also, um, you know, any type of caregiver, it doesn't have to be your parents. If there is a caregiver in the picture in their environment, even a teacher, that's why it's really important that we, you know, pay our teachers well and pay our school schools well so that um, we can have a higher standard of what a teacher is because they really do play a big part in our children's lives. We're sending our children there for eight hours a day and they can have a huge, um, huge piece into who our child you know, is raised to be because they could make a really traumatic um, situation. I know that I've had a few teachers um, that had a really positive impact on me and some that have had like really traumatic impacts on me. So, um, so most of the time this is happening when we're kids, it's, it comes from a traumatic event. Um, oftentimes we see this when, a, when like one of the caregivers, so usually a main source, like a main parent usually, um, either is absent or has an emotional gap. So if your parents have an emotional gap that you have to fill in, or they don't teach you how to uh, fill in for yourself um, while you're growing, um, you usually become codependent um, and you usually put other people before you. Or you could go to the opposite end, right? And you become a narcissist and, and that's not healthy either. Either one is not good. Um, so for me personally, when I was a child, um, I did come from a divorced family. And so my dad wasn't there most of the time. Um, and then my mom was, you know, trying to do both roles, uh, but it was really stressful, really hard. She had three girls um, and she was a single mom. She worked three jobs most of the time. Um, so very, uh, very hard, um, you know, environment to grow up in. Um, oftentimes I had to take care of myself emotionally because my mom just wasn't available or she just emotionally didn't have um, the capacity to, to help me. 
in that area because she was dealing with her own things in her own life, right? Um, so the messages that I received um, subconsciously, right, that I took in as a child was that I, I'm i not okay, like, you know, like that I'm not okay emotionally um, and, and neither are my parents and so that they don't have the capacity to give give me what I need. So since since they weren't okay, I learned that behavior, right? And I just wanted everybody to be okay. So um, one of the things that I got really, really good at as a kid is I could, because I'm an empath, I would detect what people wanted and needed, right? So I would feel their emotions just as if they were my own. And then I would um, detect what they would want from me. Like, what is it that they want? And it didn't matter what I wanted from the relationship and it didn't matter. I just wanted them to be happy because if they were happy, that made me feel good because as an empath, you feel everything that everyone else around you feels. So I would want to make them happy so that I could feel that good feeling. Right. I thought that that was my key to happiness. And so I would figure out what people wanted from me and I would like turn into whatever they wanted. So if they wanted me to be funny, I would be really funny. If they wanted me to be really clean and clean and tidy, I would be really clean and tidy. If they wanted me to be pretty, oh, I would find a way to make myself look so good. Um, and that became part of my personality is that um, I did whatever anybody else, you know, would would want um and but then it became to the point where that's how my relationships became very unhealthy I attracted unhealthy people and I enabled people to be unhealthy um because I was being unhealthy um and that's how we grow into this codependency without even realizing it and then it's your subconscious right your subconscious is taking over and just you're on autopilot and you're just constantly doing things and saying yes to people when you mean no and um, not having boundaries because everybody's needs come before yours and you're used to just being what everybody else needs you to be, right? Um, but yeah, so another way that, that this can show up, um, codependency can happen and occur is when we're being emotionally, emotionally abused by people too. So um, it's sad to think that there are people out there in this world that um, seek out really vulnerable people or people in vulnerable emotional states, right? So think about this when, when a young woman, um, doesn't have a spouse or a man in her life and she has children, um, she becomes an easy target, right? For, um, for someone who can potentially abuse her, right? Because, because she has a lot of gaps. She has a lot of unfulfilled things, a lot of needs, right? It's, it's, a, she's in a weakened state essentially, right? She's not having a lot of things fulfilled and a lot of things met for her emotionally. So it's easy to dangle the things that she needs to survive in her face, right? And then, and then to, um, you know, take advantage of her essentially. And then essentially it just becomes, um, a, a vicious pattern that um, people don't even realize is occurring in their lives. Um, so one thing that I wrote down when I was doing my research is um, after researching a lot about the childhood trauma is um, it's really, really important um, for parents to remember that it's um, as children are growing, it's the parents' job to show their children how to fill, fulfill their own needs. And they, you can do that either by mirroring it, by fulfilling your needs as, to yourself as the parent, right? Um, but you also do it when the kid has a need, right? And they 
don't know how to fill it themselves and you fulfill it for them you show them how to fulfill it like for example if they fall down on the ground when they're a little kid they scrape their knee and it starts bleeding and they're really distraught about it because there's blood and it hurts you go to them and you hold them and you love on them and you calm them by telling them it's okay you and you clean it you put a band-aid on it and you remind them that it's okay that it's going to stop bleeding right because before that they didn't have any route to to safety any route to comfort right well you provided that route by showing that by giving that to them right then when they grow up they when they fall down and scrape their knee they don't lay on the ground and cry like they would when they were a kid because now they have learned through your example right through your comfort through your love and your care that this is how you take care of it. Oh, my knee is okay because it's just a little scratch. It's just a little blood. I can clean it. I can tell myself I'm okay. <laughs> I can love on myself, right? But that's essentially, and that's how this is occurring for children. And so if traumatic events are happening and um, we're screaming at our children instead of reminding them that their emotions are valid and their emotions are pointing to something instead of trying to stop the emotion we should be walking them through like you're angry okay what do we need to scream do we need to whatever it might be right um so that is a really important thing to help children with their um, emotions so that when they are older they don't push their emotions aside or have someone else tell them you should push your emotions aside your negative emotions so that you can make me feel good because that becomes a codependent person then they're like oh okay so my emotions don't matter because I wasn't taught really how to deal with that negative emotion and you're telling me just to push it aside and deal with your emotions right in a fight with a spouse or a lover or whatever right so that's really really important as parents that's our job right and I don't think as a society and cultures that we're aware and understanding that it's that basic and that simple for children, right? We're thinking that it's like these big traumatic things, but it's little like things, not hushing them when they get angry or sending them to their room to shut up because you don't want to hear them be mad or frustrated. They need to learn how to walk through those emotions. And we, as the parents, that's what we signed up for when we decided to have children is to walk them through those emotions so that they're not codependent when they get older. Okay. Okay. So, but then someone becomes codependent, right? Um, situations occur and you're codependent. Well, how does codependency continue though, right? Because it's not just like a one time you experience something and then it forever changes you. No, it's like a vicious thing that has to keep, it's like a machine that has to keep turning and has to keep going. So how do we continue the codependency into adulthood if we receive like a traumatic event or maybe like an unfulfilled, um, you know, uh, gap with inside of ourselves when we're children? How does it just continue as adults? Like, how are we continuing that? Well, so the ways that this is happening, um, is that it's really what the codependent person believes inside your brain, right? Like the thoughts that you have, the self-talk that you have, the way that you approach, excuse me, approach and handle problems. Um, so codependent really truly believe the following. So they believe that, so if I deny my needs and take care of everyone else, then they will behave a specific way and they will love me. 
that's wrong. And really, I'm not, I'm here to say as someone that's recovering from being a codependent, I really truly believed that. I really believed that if I did everything for everyone else, they would see how amazing I was and they would see how selfless I was and they would see how caring and giving and how much I thought about them. They didn't think twice. You know, maybe every once in a while someone would know, oh my God, you're so thoughtful. Oh my God, you're so loving. But really nobody cared. Nobody cared. Right? Like nobody cared. So I really, really think um, that the this this list will really determine, help you determine how deep, you know, into codependency in as an adult. Um, another one is if I catch or if I cater to you, right? If I cater to your needs, then you will cater to me. It's not true. Again, that's wrong. But codependents believe that. If I take care of you, then you'll naturally just take care of me, right? Again, that's not how the world works. And no, that's not true because that's not, um, that's becoming codependent because someone who's codependent really believes that whatever they do for everyone else will be reciprocated back. And there is such thing as karma. So, I mean, as a codependent, I can sit here and say today that I've been a codependent my whole entire life pretty much, right? Um, I have to say like, you know, I had a good friend one time tell me, would you go back? And like, you gave all those people love. You gave, you know, your stepkids love and they just treated you so horrible. Would you go back and not give that love again? And I thought to myself and I was like, you know, I would do it all over again. And the reason why is because love is love, right? And that was me giving love, even though, right, it wasn't healthy love. And now I'm discovering that it wasn't loving myself. And now I, I am turning the boat around and I'm putting it in the right place. But love is love, right? And I will never be mad at myself for giving love because in the end, that's what I thought it was. And maybe that's for you too, right? Maybe most of the people that are codependent out there, they just think they're loving. I really just thought I was like the nicest person in the whole world and that the world was full of shitty people and that I, there's no one like me. And, you know, part of that might be true that I am a really loving, big hearted person, but it's because, um, most people that I was attracting aren't codependent because two codependents don't really mesh well, right? And the reason why is because they're the hero, right? Like I'm the hero, you're not the hero, right? <laughs> and how do two heroes mesh in one story together? They don't really, you know? So codependents attract people that want to take from them, not people that want to give to them. And so usually, you know, they'll just kind of pass by each other. They won't really stay around for much of each other's lives, um, which is unfortunate. But, um, but yeah, so the biggest thing is just knowing that, you know, yes, you know, codependent people do have big hearts and are loving, but ultimately it's a disorder, right? Because it becomes destructive is what the problem is. Is like, yeah, you might have a big heart and you might love people a lot, but if you're putting yourself after others and them before you, you're like, you're harming yourself, which is like the opposite of how to fill yourself up. And you have to be filled to be able to give to others, right? So it's like the backwards, it's like literally taking 
it's a five minute walk to the airport and you're taking the long way, which is an hour and it's exhausting, right? <laughs> it doesn't last for too long. Well, or it lasts 36 years in my case, but. Okay, the next thing that um, uh, codependents think is that if they bend over backwards and that they don't complain, then someone's gonna pat them on the back and be like, oh my God, you're so amazing, right? And like I said, over 36 years of being a codependent, I really truly believed that like the people in my life that were taking, always taking from me and I was always putting them on a pedestal, always giving everything to them, letting them make every decision, you know, just being there for everything that they wanted and needed, uh, but never hardly getting anything in return. Um, I really truly believed that like in their eyes, I was like, so nice and so sweet and so loving and like the the kindest the most the most giving right like I won the award of being the best in all those areas and I'm going to tell you this those people literally at the first chance that they could the the first chance that I stood up for myself to say I'm not going to participate in like you abusing me or you having this toxic behavior towards me anymore and I'm just not going to participate in it the very first time that I stood up and put a boundary they dropped me like a fly okay and literally were like you mean nothing you have never meant nothing you are like the worst person in the world that had all these like negative things about me when I was like but wait what about how I literally like did every single thing for you for 10-15 years you know, like it just was so crazy to me that like you could be the nicest person in the world and exhaust yourself and give everything of who you are to have someone completely be like, oh, you're, you know, but it's, that's the thing is a codependent person is attracting um, people that, that want to take and they don't care about your feelings. They don't care. So just remember that. Um, so a codependent person, um, can't set healthy boundaries with people when needed. They have negative self-talk. They feel the need to save others and fix others' problems. Um, they are perfectionists because they feel like if being perfect, and I felt like this for a really long time, if you're perfect, then you're lovable, right? Like like if people would come to my house and if it was dirty, I would feel like, like I'm not good enough, right? I'm not good enough for them to be a part of their their love or their friendship or whatever their family or whatever it was. Um, so I had to be perfect, right? I had to be good at everything I did. And if I wasn't, then I didn't feel like that they would love me. But in the end, they didn't love me anyways, because they never chose me, right? So just know that you can't ever do anything to prove or to be loved. Being loved is like a natural consequence, right? A natural, unconditional thing. That's true love, and we need to change that in our world. I feel like we think that love is like someone um, liking us, which is very, very different from love, okay? Okay, so then since we know what, now that we know what a codependent person is, uh, we know where it comes from, we know what it looks like, how do we end this behavior? How do we stop this behavior? Well, there was an author that I... I uh, did a lot of research with and she was really really good her name was Lisa Romano she has a lot of YouTube videos if you want to check her out she has her own um, podcast I believe 
Um, she wrote a book called Codependent Now What? It's super, super good. Check her out. She, um, along with many other psychologists and really profound teachers in the self-love um, department, um, all shared very similar uh, structure as hers. Um, but I'm going to go off of, the, she gave kind of like 10, she called it her 10 commandments, right? Um, but essentially they're like 10 rules. And like I said, I found them with other people. It wasn't just her. Everybody said them a little bit different, but um, they're all pretty much, it was the same advice that you have to have these 10 rules stuck in your head um, so that you constantly, and I do this on like, even now today, I do this on a day-to-day -day basis where I make sure that if I'm going through something emotional or I'm struggling with something or something just feels off to me and I need to listen to my emotions, I go through this checklist and I say to myself, is it hitting one of these rules? Is it breaking one of my rules um, of being healthy, right? So these are her 10 rules to, um, to not be codependent. So number one is no one is above me in any form. And um, I th think that we forget, we, put, we try to put other people before us because we feel like that's loving them. And really that's unhealthy and that's not loving them at all. That's like um, a surefire way to hurt yourself and to actually enable them to be unhealthy. So that's not loving them. Putting someone before your needs and above you is not um, okay. Um, so I shall not um, honor someone else's opinion of me over my own divine opinion of myself. That goes along with no one is above me. So that is like a really important thing to think of because codependent people often believe that putting others first is so noble and it makes them the good person. Like I talked about, I always thought that I was like this amazing person that should receive all the awards because I was putting every single person above me and none of those people cared. In the end, not one person cared that I was putting their needs above my own because they like some of them didn't even know that I was doing that but the people that did know were just willing to take advantage of me so just know that um the next rule number two is do not lie so no saying yes when you mean no and no saying no when you mean yes right um codependent people have a really hard time speaking their truths to other people so um and they even often believe their own lies. And I know that sounds really weird, but I would, I would really make up these like lies to myself to comfort myself, to make myself, to make what I was doing okay. Right. Um, like, oh, I don't really like expensive stuff. I don't like expensive purses. I don't like brand name stuff. I'm just not that type of girl, but I wasn't that type of girl is because I really, I gave all my money to my stepchildren. I gave all my money to rate, to, um, you know, funnel it into a beautiful home for, you know, my husband at the time and all his toys. And I would, I never wanted to like have nice gifts for myself or buy nice things for myself because I always wanted to give it into what they wanted, what, what their needs were. Right. When I actually, now that like, I'm like putting love and attention on myself and like asking myself, do I really want this? Do I want that? I do really like nice things and I'm spending that money on myself now as an adult, right? I'm buying myself what I want and what I desire. And it's okay to want nice things. It's okay to like brand names. Right. But, um, codependent people will believe those lies. Um, Next, the next one um, rule is 
uh, rock the boat when necessary. And I think that this is really easy to get into that weird loop of like saying, oh, um, you know, like someone will disrespect you or break a boundary, right, that you've set for yourself. And then you don't want to rock the boat with them. You don't want to make them angry. You don't want to lose your job. You don't want to break a friendship. You don't want to ruin a 15-year marriage, right? So you don't confront them when they're abusive. You don't um, stand up for what's right. You don't stand up for yourself, right? All those things. Um, it's it's really, really important to rock the boat when necessary. And if the people really love you, right, if it's real, true love, if it's a real, true relationship, if it's a real, like, anything, friend, cousin, husband, um, you know, anything, daughter, whatever, um, I don't care. If it's true and they're meant to be in your life, you rocking the boat is not going to end the relationship. How could it, right? Like the way that I think about like my, the people that I really love in my life, if they were to come to me and, you know, even if they didn't know how to approach something, I, you know, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, you're done. Right. It's, it's if they're, um, consecutively being abusive and, um, disrespecting me and my boundaries, then of course I have to, you know, stringent my boundaries and push them further away, uh, which is not always fun, but I, in the end, like no, nobody that really loves you is going to push you out of their life. If you, you know, point out something that needs to be pointed out or you bring something up that's uncomfortable and that needs to be brought up, right? If you have a negative feeling about something, talk about it with people. That doesn't mean put it on them and make them unwind that unhealthy thing that's in your brain for you, right? But you can ask them questions and you can say, Hey, I'm feeling this way. Own it, right? I'm feeling this negative situation in this way. And yeah, it might just be me. I'm not putting that on you, but I just wanted to ask you, like, is this where you're coming from? Is, if it is, can we talk about it? Because I love you, right? Like be able to rock the boat, put it out there. Um, the next rule is number four, honor your opinion of yourself. So codependents obsess all the time about what others think of them. And that one was a really hard one for me to get over. And um, I really feel like I'm at that like top of the mountain portion of that rule for myself where there was a lot of people that were like, they were um, using that against me. They would use um, like that as like a punishment to me because they knew how much it would get to me. And now I could care less. Like if people don't want to look at me in a good light, I really don't care. And if people don't want to think that I'm nice, go right ahead. I know I'm one of the nicest people to walk this planet. So you know what I'm saying? And that's the confidence that people should have. That's like, you should be the one to know it and nobody else needs to know it. That's not their job. And it's really kind of wrong almost for us, like pe nice people, <laughs> right? To like request that everybody see how nice we really are. That's controlling, right? We don't need to do that. So, um, uh, codependents, they really obsess about what other people think of them. And, and it's usually because their childhoods are filled with manipulative people, um, people that, um, will say to them, I'm disappointed in you. Right. Um, and that's how they power over them, right? They're wounded masculine. They power over them by being like, I'm so disappointed in you. 
Well, my son, it's so cute. He's six years old and he will sometimes, he'll, like, especially when my husband gets mad at him, he'll just cry really hard. And I'm like, baby boy, why are you so sad? What is making, like, why are you so distraught over this? And he's like, daddy's mad at me. He's so mad. And I go, why do you care what he thinks? Like, like not to disrespect my ex or anything, but I'm now in that thing of like, I even tell my son, like, you shouldn't care what, what I think so much. And you shouldn't care what daddy thinks so much. Do you feel in your heart, your intentions, do you feel like you were being mean or wrong? And if you don't feel that way, don't let it damage you. Remind daddy what your intentions were. Remind daddy where your heart was, you know, and don't, and my son, like, I think it really sank, sunk in the last talk we had. I was like, who cares what daddy thinks? Uh, like, you know, like at some point we do have a respect for daddy. Right. But we shouldn't be so like, he was like so emotionally distraught over the fact that daddy might think bad of him or daddy might um, be disappointed. He kept saying disappointed. It doesn't matter if daddy's disappointed. That's daddy's to deal with. You need to be dis not worried about someone else's disappointment disappointment you need to fulfill and feel proud of yourself and if you at the end of the day can say that that's what I told him I said if you can say that at the end of the day that you feel proud for what you did in that situation but if you don't feel proud of what you did then find a way to rectify it you know don't worry about what daddy's feeling worry about what you're feeling so that was really a powerful thing for him I could see it in his um, eyes when I talked to him about it and and that's a healthy way to handle it I believe is to remind them that it's not about you know, us as parents, what we are um, uh, disappointed or proud of for our children, even though it feels good to have people be proud of you. That shouldn't be such a big thing. Um, number five, seek your own permission and approval. So codependents seek approval with others and look for permission to how to feel and if it's okay for all these things. And you, sh no one, no one but you should have, um, your permission for who you are and what you want to be that's that is that is the end all of like who should have the say and someone who looks outside of themselves for other people's like validation and opinions of things um that shows like the gap between them and you know them and their opinion of themselves number six honor and respect your body codependents um have a hard time and they often abuse the vessel in which we come to earth to, you know, you know, obviously like our 3D bodies and this 3D reality, like we pick these for a specific reason. We pick the, what they look like, um, our weight, we pick all these things about them for a specific purpose, for a reason, right? But we often don't like respect it and we end up overworking our bodies, right? We overwork for other people, um, codependents do. Um, or we, um, end up having sex with people when we, when we don't want to, cause we say yes, when we mean no. Um, so respecting our bodies, putting good food in our body, right? Respecting, um, that the vessel in which we are here on this life for. So number seven, honor what your body, um, says to you and how it speaks to you. So codependents are, um, used to ignoring themselves, right? That's just a given. Um, and so ignoring emotions is like a big thing for codependent people. So we'll, 
we'll ignore what our, our emotions are, but we'll worry about what everybody else is. And then that becomes like a really backwards way of living life, which is unfulfilling. It feels like crap. Um, and it's a moving target. We're constantly like trying to figure out everybody else, right? Instead of that centered piece of like, what are my emotions saying to me? If I'm uncomfortable, what is that saying? Why is it speaking? It's speaking for a reason, right? Our negative emotions, we always want to shut them down and hush them up and tell them to be quiet, but they're speaking to us for a reason. When you're go into a room and everybody has a smile on their face, all the girls, and yet you can feel something really nasty from the girl on the right with the cute earrings, right? Your body's telling you something for a reason. That person's probably wounding your soul and your spirit and you have no like 3D reality understanding that it's happening, but you can feel it on some level and your soul is trying to express that to you, right? So let's start taking that stuff seriously. Why is why are our bodies giving us these emotions? They're giving us emotions to point us in the directions, to like ugh, uncover things, to understand stuff, right? Um, so don't ignore it. And and when you like, when you stop listening to like, so like, let's say you have an intuition that you just have like an off feeling about someone or something, right? And you ignore it. What essentially you're doing is you're turning down the volume. So then the next time, you go and it's not as loud and and you can become it and it's quieter and quieter and quieter. But if you're like me, where I've spent years of like tapping into that, right? And turning it, tuning into it. And then now I'm discovering that like most people are like, how did you sense that so quickly? Well, you know, it's because I literally put a lot of faith and I put a lot of like, I put attention to it and I go towards whatever my you know, emotions or my mind or my intuition is trying to tell me. And then it becomes easier because then the volume's turned up and then I'm, you know, I might be super sensitive to things so I can like feel them really quickly or way ahead of time. I know when someone's going to start acting crazy in like five seconds, I'm like, oh, this person's going to go off the deep end soon. And they, they do. Um, so, so just know that your intuition is like, it's like a little volume switch. If you're ignoring your intuition, it's going to turn it down. If you start listening to it and tapping into it, it's going to turn it up. And then you're going to, it's going to lead you to the places and the things that you need to understand and that you need to heal or that you need to like, you know, explore all that good stuff. Um, the next rule, number eight, honoring your peace your calm and your stability. So codependent people will accept large amounts of abuse, toxic behaviors, because they don't honor their peace and their calmness and their stability. Um, and I think that's really just simple. Like we should be valuing that more in our lives, right? A happy home, a happy mind, a peace um, and center is really important um, in, in a healthy life. And number nine, let go of what you cannot control. So codependents put others and their opinions um, at such a high rank that often they often feel like that they need to try to control how others view them. And I know that I was super guilty of this myself, is that like having the clean house and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, even if someone's view of you is like faulty, hurtful, discouraging, or unkind, we don't have the right to control their experience. And I'm going to share a personal story about this. So one time... Um, when I was first going through my, um, when I first discovered I was on a twin flame journey, um, my husband at the time, he was, um, 
he was like really worried about me, you know, like thinking that, you know, feeling like I was gonna like have an affair. Like that's what he wanted to turn it into. Like he wanted to turn um, my admiration for this other person into like this this thing that I was doing behind his back or that he, me and this guy were gonna do the behind his back. And that wasn't the case because um, that's just not the type of person I am. That's not who I am. That's not what I would ever do. But for him, because he had had that experience in a previous marriage, he really believed that um, it was like an affair for him. It was he was reliving that experience over again because he he said that he could see in my eyes that my admiration and love for this person and he felt like it was like you know like a cheating right. Essentially, that's what he felt like, even though I had no contact with this other person. And so I kept getting so mad at him and I kept yelling at him and telling him like that I didn't I'm not cheating like I'm not like I'm not that type of person you're you're making the whole story seem so different than it, it really is and that's not what's happening right and I was so adamant and so, like literally it was like I was strangling that's trying to strangle that story out of him because it, it was not true and yeah it wasn't true right but that's the one thing that I had to come to terms with and eventually I ended up apologizing to my ex-husband because I had to tell him, sorry that, um, that I was trying to convince him that he was wrong for what he believed because everybody gets their own belief system. Everybody gets their own story of what happened, even though to me that wasn't truth and that was not real in my reality. That doesn't mean that that's not what he felt. That's not that's not what he was experiencing, right? Maybe to some like degree, that's what he felt he was experiencing. And I needed to really release that control of like making him feel like he was wrong for what he believed and what he felt like he was like going through, right? Because that's not, um, that's not fair. And so, and I think it's that fear in codependency where you need everybody to see you as a good person because if they don't see you as a good person, then you don't feel like a good person. And it's not really healthy or it's not realistic to think that we can actually control someone else's view of us, right? They get to have their own beliefs. And if even if it's nasty, even if it's ugly, even if it's something that's way off of what you are, like I would never ever cheat on anyone that's just not who I am and I would never have an affair with someone that's just not who I am but if I um if I ended up being that way in his eyes I need to respect that and need to allow that and just let him be and obviously put up healthy boundaries which I have and I did but to separate myself from um something that I know that I'm not but um, I need to allow that and I think that that's really healthy and really important and I really was really thankful when I got to that place to really like recognize and like apologize to him and say like you know I know in my reality I didn't do any of that to you and that's okay but it's okay that you felt like that that was your reality and I shouldn't take that away from you this is your life too like your life is your life and I don't need to like dominate what you believe right so let let go of what you can't control. I think that's really, really an important one. Okay, the next and the last one, number 10, is choose love over fear. So codependents often lean into their fear, right? Their fear of abandonment, their fear of conflict, 
of more abuse coming, you know, and I think that it's really, really easy to, to fall into that stuff, but choose love. And when you really come down to like thinking about what love is and like putting it into every situation that you're dealing with, you'll often choose way different than what you would have if you were, um, worried or fearful, right? All right. Um, so the, essentially, so those are like the 10 things to kind of like rules for you to, for your mind to follow, but really codependency came kind of came down to like, there's like these three things to do, right? Um, those were rules to follow, but there are three things to do to recover from codependency. Um, one is address how you see yourself. That's a huge thing. So you need to be able to see yourself and know yourself, know what you want, who you are, what you desire, like where you're going in life. All those things are going to make you more stable and not fall into what someone else wants and needs, right? You need to know what you are and who you are and know yourself. Next, fix the behaviors that fuel this addiction, which if you follow, following these healthy rules and standards for yourself, um, and putting up healthy boundaries and things like that, it will help curb falling into the addictive behaviors, right? And then next, shift the relationship with um, you before you can fix any relationship with yourself. So no codependency is about you, right? It's your problem, right? Yeah, we can sit there and say that like there's, um, you know, the toxic people and abusive people and the energy vampires, like, yeah, those are in your life because you're attracting them. But really, ultimately, this codependency thing is you, you hold it, right? Nobody else. If you don't do these behaviors, they can't suck off of you, right? So just know that. So fix the relationship with you first, and then you'll start to heal the relationships with other people. All right, well, that's all I had. I'm so glad that you guys joined me on this codependency episode. Um, I hope that you learned tons because I learned tons and I'm so excited to put all these rules into my life and um, hope you have a wonderful evening. Don't forget to love yourself. All right. Take care. Mm -hmm.